Hello, welcome to Serenity Wellness Podcast. My name is Nicole White and I'll be your host. This podcast is dedicated to helping you tap into your full potential of how you can heal and balance your mental, emotional, and physical well-being. Together, let's explore inner self, connect with our strength, and manifest your true nature, one full of love, purpose, and passion. Welcome to episode 41, Lead with Curiosity. Leading with curiosity applies to our inner self, emotions, physical body, perceptions, and connections with others as a way of living. By leading with curiosity, it improves our self-concept and self-esteem, regulates and balances our emotions, allowing us to find that middle ground of emotion that I talked about in the Emotional Ladders episode. It also improves our physical health, dissolves our attachment to assumptions, expectations, and judgments, which then gives space for a connection within and with others that's full of genuine acceptance. Our emotions are an area that we often don't engage in curiosity with. We can tend to avoid them, skip over them, ignore them, judge our emotions, And this will often develop emotional, mental, and physical ailments. It can create escape behaviors, impulsivity, and addictions. I discuss various different contributors that create these cycles for us, this cycle of, you know, avoiding curiosity or sitting within our emotion. But just as a reminder, some of those might be fear, difficulty even identifying our emotions, a learned behavior, or a lack of tools in how to work through and manage different emotions. But when we lead with curiosity in our connection to our emotions, it's allowing ourselves to sit with and investigate our feelings. It lets us work deeper into the emotion and not just on the surface. When we lead with curiosity and sit with our emotion, it also lets us further or more clearly identify what the emotion is we're really feeling. If you remember, I talked a few different times about how we might jump over our primary emotion into a secondary emotion. So we might be feeling sad or anxious and respond with frustration or anger. And then, you know, the primary emotion of sadness or anxiety is never being looked at or met. It's just being ignored, stuffed down, and piling up. Meanwhile, the emotion of anger will take charge. If we're giving it permission and we're fueling it, it will go. It will rise, we'll get all pissed off, and in the meantime, the sadness and anxiety are still just there, festering and bubbling and building up. But the anger, you know, it will take the lead if that's what we fuel and that's what we give permission to take the lead in how we're going to process a situation or an emotional event for us. I, um, this situation here of, uh, in terms of jumping over primary emotion into secondary or not being able to identify uh, or utilize all of our emotions is something common that comes out in therapy uh, work with people. And um, I recently learned about this movie might have been out for a while. I still haven't seen it. I learned about it about a week or two ago. Um, it's called, I don't know if it's Disney or Pixar or something, but it's called Inside Out. 
And it kind of has to do with this concept that we're talking about, about not uh, utilizing all of our emotions and how it will fuel a certain emotion, but, um, you know, it, it leaves things unmet and that can create further disasters or destruction. So I just uh, love it that we are having children's movies now about emotion and understanding. And I, I guess I'm a bit behind. I guess this has been out for a while. Uh, so I'm going to try to watch it here eventually. But, um, you know, this educational component that we are allowing now for children to understand because we as adults are now starting to get more of a deeper understanding of this lack of emotion that we have been taught. And again, that reminder, this is no judgment towards our caregivers or our parents. You know, they often weren't taught, so they didn't know they weren't teaching us something. It's not like they intentionally were holding back, uh, you know, an understanding of emotion and a open space for holding, you know, space for emotional communication or providing tools it's that's what they knew but as we're becoming more aware of this now we're implementing more teaching to children which is just going to continue to help us all down the line so i just love it my uh good friend she was on the grief episode actually arianne her daughter is about you know close to two and a half or so she's a little over two and the school she goes to the whole curriculum is based off of leading with emotional um, intelligence and teaching uh, kids about the safety and understanding of their emotion and the importance of having compassion and respect towards their emotion. So I just love that that is, you know, now the direction we're going because the more we teach, you know, the younger generations, the more it helps all of us in terms of change and growth in the future. But this idea or uh, way of living in terms of leading with curiosity such an important component when it comes to our emotion. When we're examining the emotion through this lens, we're looking further at what the feeling is really about. You know, is it about that moment or is it about a pileup, that pileup of emotion, the things we carry around in our backpack, um, like we talked about in the episode, uh, What's in Your Backpack? So when we're using curiosity, it's allowing us to look a little deeper. It's allowing us to see a little bit more clearly. And in doing so, another guided question to use for yourself is noticing in this curiosity, what is it that makes you uncomfortable maybe about the feeling? You know, in anger, for example, sometimes people will avoid anger because they are afraid of maybe... Um, looking like they saw someone else react in anger. Maybe they had a family member who got into rage cycles or threw things, or maybe were they were even abusive. So they might have a fear of, I don't want to feel anger because I don't want it to look like that. Or maybe they even fear working through um, finding the middle grounds of anger. Again, all emotions are important. We do not want to discount any of our emotions, anger included. It's just getting into a rage cycle is not an effective level in terms of where to go in anger. But they might fear, uh, you know, trying to work on that middle ground because maybe they themselves did not have a big success rate in the past. So maybe they got, you know, amped up a little quicker in terms of their own anger and it led to disruptive or hurtful communication styles or 
uh, they felt like their physical body kind of took control and their adrenaline was spiking and it was hard to calm down. So maybe they're even fearful of trying to incorporate different communication styles, working on moving into more of that assertive versus aggressive communication because of their own past behaviors. So sometimes, you know, when we look at what makes us uncomfortable about feelings, those can be some things that might come through for you. And then also asking yourself and paying attention again to the answer, like we talked about in Dial Into You, asking yourself, but pay attention to what your body or your emotions answer back. So in this curiosity, finding out what you need in that moment for your own emotional comfort and your own emotional understanding. It might be something in terms of, you know, those go-to things that we might think of in terms of self-care, like, you know, we might need to get into some meditation or stillness or out in nature or creating something or connecting with music and movement, some yoga. Maybe we also might need to have communication with someone about how we're feeling or what we're working through. But sometimes self-care is not also, um, it's not always things that fall into that category, but they are also self-care. We might find, for example, as we lead with curiosity about our emotion, that we're having high stress levels or feeling overwhelmed about finances. So maybe when we sit within and we go there, we notice the self-care need there is to create a budget. Creating a budget might not be fun. We can sit within and notice where the resistance is. Well, maybe we don't want to feel the emotions that come through when we're sitting and working with a budget. can be kind of stressful. can be uh, create some anxiety, some worry. So maybe it's the emotion of the experience that's not going to be pleasant, but it still might fall into the self-care category. We might notice in sitting within our emotion that Uh, the clutter around us is creating a discombobulation within. So self-care might be taking time to clean. That might not be our ideal. Maybe we would rather be, you know, doing some of those other things I mentioned. Maybe we have to work on creating a different boundary with someone, maybe even breaking away from a toxic pattern or connection we have. Those all are self-care. And as we sit and lead with curiosity and go deeper within, we can truly listen to ourselves and identify what it is that's creating these patterns and these cycles in our own emotional experience with what's going on around us. And remembering again, self-care doesn't always have to be something that's on that deep relaxation list. Sometimes it's things that involve organization or doing things that might not be the most pleasant but that are helping us in terms of our care towards self. As you're leading with curiosity, noticing your own judgments, and this applies to all the categories that I'm going to be talking about in terms of emotion, physical body, and connection and communication. But noticing your judgments, listen to your inner critic with curiosity. Whose voice or view is it? We can often go through our life cycle and end up changing the voice of others into our own. Maybe it was critical or judgmental language that was placed upon us, 
And then we take over that role towards ourselves and change that critical voice of sometimes it's a parent or caregiver, or sometimes it's, you know, during adolescence, uh, you know, sometimes it's high school experiences or uh, relationships we've been in in adulthood that maybe weren't through a supportive lens and more of a critical uh, type of judgmental lens. And then we will suddenly change that voice into ourselves, into our own voice, and we'll become our own critic and just believe that language and believe that judgment to be true. And interestingly, if we pause and we notice that you know, it's one of those situations where it's like, wow, that message came from such and such a time or so-and-so repeating that towards me. And we can notice it. And at the same time, we'll even notice like that particular person, for example, if we look at their worldview and their perception and the way that they are living, we might not even, um, you know, we might recognize that that's not even our view of living and our perception But then we'll piece out and pull these other toxic views towards ourself and use them as truth. So by leading with curiosity towards our judgment, it lets us see whose voice it really is. And when you recognize it might be one that you've just changed into your own voice, it gives empowerment for change because then you can pause and say, wait a minute, that's not even something I believe about me. That's not even my message. Like, what would make me want to be my own bully? What would make me be my own worst critic versus my supporter of myself? Trying to be my own best friend versus my own enemy. Noticing in terms of judgment, we will often have those words like the shoulds and the coulds. But whose shoulds are you living? Are they yours? Are they someone else's? Are they societies? Are they a past version of what you thought and who you thought you wanted to be and not even something you even believe anymore? So who shoulds and coulds are you using to help lead a judgmental and critical view? You know, when we allow ourselves to not just go and believe our critical view, but instead challenge it and get curious about it, We can then rewrite the script. It's not just this automatic cycle we keep regurgitating over and over. We have to pause and lead with curiosity in order to change the script, or it's just very automatic. Our judgmental language and perception can be deeply imprinted, and it just becomes this automatic cycle until we pause, until we look within. Recognizing that when we judge ourselves, we are judging others. But also recognizing our judgment of others is our own judgment towards ourself. Carl Jung is a well-known psychologist, um, psychotherapist, who really helped bring to light this concept of shadow self. And that is the things that irritate us or that stir us up in other people are really about us. It's about our internal stuff, either conscious or subconscious elements of within, things we're working on healing or need to heal. And we'll continually get um, presented with these things around us as a way for us to see our shadow self, 
when we look within and go deeper with curiosity, we can see that those aspects within self, the things we judge in others and where they are within us. And then it allows us to heal. It allows us to undo and create different patterns, get out of toxic cycles that we might get into impulsively because of our lack of ability or willingness at times to lead with curiosity, to sit within, and to work through emotions that can bring about, again, a deeper healing and change. So allowing ourselves to lead with curiosity, to sit within, and providing stillness in order for connection to increase and become more aware. As we change our script in judgment, sometimes it can be a challenge until we practice. We can get looped into this critical, judgmental view that we have. And then when we start to challenge that and we start to use positivity or even just contentment or more of a neutral view towards ourselves. We initially might view that as, well, that's the false. That's not true. It's natural and normal for that to come through at times because you've probably been using the other judgmental view for maybe a long time. So it takes some practice. But change will happen, and it doesn't take as long for the change to happen. Some ways that you can um, try to do this if you're finding it a bit of a challenge Uh, One thing is you can practice positive affirmations. So they are ways that we word things as truth, even though if we do not currently believe them to be true. So if we want um, to experience more healthy connections in our life, we might view or we might word an affirmation such as, I have abundant, healthy relationships in my life that fulfill me and surround me. So that might not be our exact truth in the moment, but we word an affirmation as though it is true in the moment, which then helps us to create it. It's a whole vibrational thing as well. We're changing the vibration in our body. So if you practice this and write it down, you can even notice over time that your handwriting might change because you're vibrationally changing within, which then vibrationally changes what we put out, which then allows space for things to change around us. Um, and that's a little bit more of the vibrational energy stuff that I'll get into uh, more fully in another episode. But practicing affirmations is a way to start to recalibrate and rechange the script. A technique that you can use is you start with one affirmation. So maybe that one or create your own or you can uh, Google is our friend sometimes. <laughs> you can Google. Uh, there's a couple lists out there. Um, like 101 affirmations, 101 positive affirmations, something like that, and you'll get a whole list if you need some help creating one. And then what you would do is start with one affirmation, and you're going to practice this for three minutes total, three times a day. So you start with one minute in the morning, one minute in the afternoon, and one minute in the evening. And you just, for that one minute, practice repetitive uh, mantra-like style of that affirmation. You might say it in your mind. You might say it out loud. You can write it down. If you write it down, like I said, over time, you might notice a change. But starting with one affirmation three times a day, if you really look at the value of your time, I think you might find you have three minutes total to spare in your day. 
And then as you get more comfortable with that affirmation, then the goal is to add a second. At that point, you're up to six minutes a day. So two in the morning, two afternoon, two evening. And then moving up eventually to three affirmations a day. Three minutes, three minutes, three minutes for a total of nine. So at the end, nine minutes of your day is what you're working towards. And it might take a couple months to get to three affirmations. Sometimes people have to practice one affirmation for weeks before they feel like they're connecting with it as their truth. That's okay. There is no time constraint on any of this if you even choose to practice it. So that's one way that you can start rechanging that script. Another, you can get like an affirmation um, calendar or card. I'll put uh, some recommendations of some things that I use or have recommended to others uh, down in the session notes. Uh, But you can also do that. And each day you're flipping it and it's giving you something positive to focus your mind on as a start of your day. So those are some just uh, quick ideas of how you might be able to start to rewrite the script of judgment. And again, leading with curiosity and some of those other areas, you know, questioning it and not just believing it as truth, seeing where it came from and recognizing that it's often not even things that you believe about yourself or about others. And once you recognize that, you can let them go. You can realize that we're all just kind of on our own journey and we don't have to have judgment towards what that looks like. We can have more compassion and acceptance. In terms of our physical body, leading with curiosity involves paying attention to our physical connection, to our emotion, to our stress. Where do we hold it? How does it elevate in terms of pain, digestive difficulties? body soreness and fatigue. Again, when we're not curious and we're not having compassion towards ourselves, then we can often store different emotions, which then will create different physical ailments in our body. So when we're leading with curiosity towards our emotion, but also our physical self, in this category, we can notice how physically emotions begin to impact us. We also want to lead with curiosity in terms of our physical body and how it responds to things we put in it with food and our environment. Noticing if you have certain physical or digestive reactions to certain foods that you're eating. Does your stomach get upset or bloated? Do you have increased fatigue or foggy brain after eating certain foods? Even emotion changes and difficulty. Some allergic reactions to food are emotion-based. Some foods, if you are uh, sensitive to them or your body would prefer you not have them, you might have actually increased anxiety or depressive symptoms. So leading with curiosity into your physical self, not only with emotion, but with also what you're digesting, how you're digesting it, and how your body feels and reacts. Red dyes in children or, you know, when they're eating stuff with red dyes, often will elevate hyperactivity. It looks like, oh, they have ADHD, which I, it's a whole other topic on this stuff with ADHD, but uh, no, they're maybe hyperactive because they're full of sugar and maybe they had some red dye, which is often a contributor to hyperactive behavior and lack of ability to focus, uh, 
high impulsivity and, um, you know, just er erratic emotion with children, uh, for example. So uh, again, that's a whole other side topic on this whole thing with diagnosing all these kids with ADHD, but that will be for a different time. Also noticing in terms of leading with curiosity, paying attention to our physical reactions to being around certain places and certain people. Noticing if you have increased anxiety, tension, or sadness. Maybe when you're noticing this, you may notice that you have to create different boundaries or practice different types of communication styles. Or maybe even look at your own emotion regulation and reaction cycles. Leading with curiosity will help to bring a better understanding in all of these areas. Our connection with others and being curious in communication also allows for a different connection in terms of listening and communicating. So when we're leading with curiosity in our communication, it allows us to connect further to empathy and compassion, to learning about the person and their perceptions, emotions, and experiences. We all have the ability to feel emotion of others, to have an empathetic and compassionate connection. Sometimes we may have to train ourselves to reconnect that center and that connection, but we all have it. Uh, you know, the more we recognize what steers us away from it, the more we can work towards it. You know, notice what it is that might block your curiosity in communication. Are you listening to, you know, be an active listener? Or are you listening to fix the problem? Do you potentially get into that cycle because you might have fear or discomfort of emotion? and other people's emotion or maybe your own perceptions are blocking your ability to be more of an active listener which is about leading with curiosity in communication being curious about the other person's experience and not your own asking questions to go deeper into the communication instead of steering away from going deeper by trying to just resolve and fix is your ego leading the way? Or maybe parts of your shadow self blocking the ability to bring curiosity into communication. With ourselves, our emotions, our physical body, and our connection with others, leading with curiosity can take practice and patience. Just because you want to support your emotion or dissolve judgments, it doesn't mean the pattern will instantly dissolve. Again, these are often patterns or cycles that we've been in for some time. But through increased awareness and practice and incorporating the wellness tools that we have been working on developing for you, it becomes a way of living. It becomes a way of loving yourself and others. Remembering that curiosity will help you see. It will help you go deeper and allow you to further explore where patterns and cycles come from. As you open up this awareness further, making sure to bring in compassion 
in this understanding for what you notice. And allowing yourself to not fear looking, examining, and healing this. You know, the deeper that we go, the deeper we can heal. Practicing mindfulness and meditation can provide space and an increased comfort in this. It allows us to recognize our patterns and create new cycles. Allowing space for stillness gives space to awaken. Sometimes, um, well, sometimes, I don't know why I use that word, but um, as part of what I do, uh, especially when I'm doing energy therapy stuff, um, and particularly in this example, uh, when I teach Reiki, each uh, Reiki level, um, so I teach level one to the advanced and master level. And each one we go into some deep healing meditations. Each meditation has a specific purpose of where it goes and what it does for the individual. Um, And each individual's experience is different based off what their body and mind and emotion need in the meditative experience that I take them to. And at the same time, I'm doing energy work uh, in the space while people are in a meditative state. And I'm also... um, I practice hypnosis, uh, so I'm a hypnotist, and so sometimes I use some different language or or flow in the meditation to take people into a deeper trance state. In these experiences, you know, we then discuss afterwards, you know, what things were like for people, and oftentimes things will come through for people and they're not quite certain, you know, what it means or what it's like uh, in terms of like the healing element that was coming through. And so I always encourage this, this leading with curiosity, you know, allowing time and space for things to unfold and just having an openness to curiosity of what might come down the line in terms of awareness of what this means. And I just have, there's so many examples of feedback I've, I've gotten from people of how this ends up kind of playing out and this curiosity and then sudden awareness comes or things unfold and come to light that bring everything together. And recently, without um, sharing too much, um, but recently in one of these experiences, the meditation was about um, it through the experience, it goes through each student's um, individual kind of timeline. You know, I'm not, how do I describe this without going on a tangent? Like I'm not in the meditation taking them through their timeline, but the energy work that I'm doing in holding the space and um things like that are bringing in this channel of energy to go through each individual as they're in this kind of trans meditative state to go through their timeline of things that had to be healed within them that was stuck in there or, um, you know, kind of needed to be released that was no longer needed for them and uh, allowing that to be released. And so in this experience, someone shared about a particular period of time that came through for them when they were uh, in elementary school age, and they weren't real sure what that was. And they were trying to cognitively figure it out. And I guided, you know, just as I'm talking about, you know, allow curiosity to just be there and notice, you know, along the way that the answer will come to you when you're not seeking, you know, just by being curious and allowing space for that. And so a little time, about a week went by and they allowed the cognitive mind to not get so involved and just space for curiosity. And suddenly in front of them, uh, 
something came on the television, just a snapshot of a, a glimpse of something from a video, and all of a sudden that subconscious awareness came right to the forefront and everything that went through in that meditation made sense and all connected. But it was allowing that space, but also allowing curiosity to see what would unfold that allowed the things to connect. And again, if there's so many examples of that, even when I went, uh, I went to Connecticut, um, I think it was just last two years ago. I, sorry, I have a terrible concept of time. I think it was two years ago. Um, and in the hypnosis training, there were so many experiences like that even unfolding. So we went through a lot of hypnosis experiences uh, during that training. And people would talk about kind of this, like, I don't know what that meant. And like, what did that mean? And then like two days later, we'd be sitting at the lunch table and someone would say something. And then someone else would be like, oh my gosh, now that just all connected what I wasn't understanding before. So I know that was a little bit of a tangent, but this idea of leading with curiosity when we go into meditative experiences, things can come into our awareness when we allow stillness and space and meditation. And in the moment, we might not have the, the most concrete cognitive understanding of what that means, but allowing curiosity and space within that, things will tend to kind of align and unfold in our lives to help us uh, see the way of what is being shown in those moments. So hopefully that wasn't too much of a tangent and made sense in what I was saying. So again, leading with curiosity, allowing time, space, and compassion, and letting curiosity lead your way in terms of emotion, your judgmental mind, your physical body, health, connection, and communication. And when you do so, over time and with practice, you will notice how it shifts so many different aspects of your life in terms of concept of self, connection to self with compassion and acceptance, letting go of unwarranted expectations, assumptions, and judgments, and truly connecting with yourself in acceptance as well as others. Thank you, as always, for being part of this with me. I have received some questions in terms of... Um, you know, what type of things I use, different tools or books I've read that are helpful, as well as even some meditation um, things that I use. So I will say that I'm working on a page right now to put up for you guys on my website that highlights some of those things. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to try to get much better at my session notes and applying links to anything that applies during those episodes. So Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming my way. I appreciate them. And I try my best to get back to you guys as soon as I can. Um, and you can send them to ask at serenitywellnesstools.com if you have a question as well. Check us out online, our website, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. And thank you as always. I look forward to talking to you again soon. See you later.